You're listening to Thinkers What Works podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today, Karen Elliott. She is owner of Minglewood, a women's fashion boutique here in downtown Rockford. So Minglewood, what name? How did this come about? Well, it came about actually 20 years ago. I'm having a, an anniversary coming up, May 4th. Uh, oh, That's awesome. when I incorporated Minglewood Productions, Inc., May 4th. Um, 1999, but I had been working for a racetrack, Blackhawk Farms Raceway up in South Beloit, and I was their marketing and special events person, and I was working out of my home, but uh, I was being paid like a contractor, so the owner actually I, let me use his attorney to incorporate so that I would have liability protection if someone were to be killed at the racetrack. Okay. Yeah. So that's how it started. And I kind of just, I, you know, I'm a deadhead. I like the Grateful Dead. Okay. And so I had about one day to pick out a name. And they have a song called The New New Minglewood Blues, which I really like. So I just kind of grabbed it out of thin air. M- Minglewood Productions, Inc. And, uh, and I did that for two years. I was working out of my house. Uh, but then I was getting kind of bored of being in my house and in my pajamas all day. Uh, so I saw a little storefront for rent just around the corner from your studio here on Church Street. It was three and a quarter a month, including heat. Oh, wow. So I thought, I'm going to be like a grown-up with an office outside of the <laughs> yeah. house. And so I did that. And uh, it wasn't too much longer after that that I realized I was had a lot of downtime during the winter. So I thought, well, it wouldn't kill me to get up and ring up a sale here and there. Okay. And I had had some vending experience from being on dead tour. So even though then all I sold was stickers, <laughs> <laughs> one for three, two for five, uh, you know, two plexiglass boards of stickers with yeah. a, an accordion file. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's how I kind of started. And, um, you know, I was sort of forced into that line of employment, being that I had a daughter in school, how do you, you know, how do you, I don't know how anybody has a real job when they have to drop their kid off and pick them up and all the this yeah, and the that. You know. So uh, I thought maybe having the store would supplement the racetrack and, and it did. And, and so that's how it started out it was more just necessity being the mother of invention in that case. Awesome. So Minglewood Productions. Mm-hmm. Why, why the word productions on that? Because that's I was doing shows and concerts and mm-hmm. special events and festivals, organizing at that level more yeah. than really retail. But um, the retail quickly took over. Uh, okay. I decided to trade out, you know... Small, you know the 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 daily rewards of retail for uh, you know the the pain and strife of planning an event for yeah a year and then have it rain it was oh re- man right just a, a lot to handle emotionally so um, after you know how many years was I doing that seven or eight years of all together of the special events I. Okay. So you gradually moved into this retail thing, yes, out of necessity, uh, and now now it's a women's fashion boutique. So right. take us on that journey. Well, okay. <laughs> so when I was in when I occupied this space here, where you're yeah, at, I was say, let, me, let me break in. Part of the reason, you know, we got Karen got on our radar was when 
Thinker moved into 317 West Jefferson. I did the history of the building. And I was like, and when I was looking at various uh, city directories, I was like, oh, wow, Minglewood was here for three years. So here, I just wanted to break in so okay. people are listening. Yeah. So I started in a 800 square foot storefront around the corner. Um, but a man who had bought this building at the time was, and it was empty, so he was looking for tenants. And he came over and, and basically talked me into taking over 4,000 square feet of this building. But uh, it was raw space. It required a lot of, you know, work, blood, sweat, and tears investment. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was only paying six hundred dollars a month though to be here, with uh, including heat and electricity. Um, so it was worked wow. out to about fifty cents a square foot. Uh, so I had to program the space. I, you know, I didn't have a quarter million dollars to invest in retail merchandise to fill a space this large. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we started, you know, went in the direction of putting in a coffee bar and having all ages shows. Well, in my mind, I thought I was going to have a nice jazz trio, or <laughs> maybe some blues or bluegrass, or drawing on your production would, experience. Have, this is a natural yeah, fit. I would have NPR <laughs> listeners here sipping tea and coffee and listening yeah. to fine music. Well, it quickly turned into all ages teen venue once the teenagers realized that they could play here and mm. which i didn't really want those bands playing here it was they were loud and obnoxious and not good and you know my favorite thing to tell them was you're not good enough to play that loud <laughs> <laughs> but on. um but it but it you know it kept it programmed and you know kids yeah. have a lot of energy so they're yeah. willing to, you know and they're brave and they're adventurous and they didn't mind coming downtown their parents didn't mind dropping them off down here so it worked out well because there really isn't a parking lot but mm-hmm. it didn't matter they got yeah, 17 off. years ago there wasn't much down here right, right right so it was kind of an oasis and uh it really turned into i realized the value at, during that of uh, you know per, having a, a place a community a, a place for community yeah to connect mm-hmm. um you know even you know outside of uh, you know alcohol establishments and it really, it was really went okay for a while, you know. Um, basically, I uh, ended up buying another building uh, over at Broadway and 9th Street, a different part of town, um, but an old historic commercial building, but it's just uh, 1,200 square feet, one store, one apartment. My dream was to live above my store. Yeah. And uh, a walkable community. Uh, I could walk to the post office, the grocery store, you know, the... Uh, so that, that's why ultimately I left here that, and he wanted me to start paying. He just, just, um, the utilities, he said, tell you what, going forward, no, no rent. You could be here rent free. Just pay the utilities. Yeah. Well, that was like $1,400 a month with the heat in the winter. So yeah. I figured out he was actually paying me about a thousand dollars a month just to be here. Oh, wow. But he had um, he was a developer from the Chicago area mm-hmm. and laid it out to me. He, he's like, I'm I'll be straight with you. They're, you're the first ones coming in. You're the blood, sweat, and tears. You're not gonna be here forever. But I got let's just keep it occupied for now yeah. and, and and you know. Yeah. So then you moved over to the other side of the river and to a smaller location. But it was it was your dream. It was your. Uh, the location where you could build the thing that you wanted to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Small and manageable. Yeah. Um, and is that when you decided to move f- basically fully into retail and away from events? Yes. Okay. Yes. And how long ago was that? Uh, 2005. Okay. 
Yeah, I, cl- I closed on a dime after having to wrangle the microphone out of somebody's hand because <laughs> he was violating my rule of no talking, no talking from the stage. This is music. You can, you can say hello and good night, and we'll be right back. If you want to talk, come to the poetry night. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway, it was a, I kind of lost my cool that night and uh, yeah. ended up like physically wrangling the microphone out of his hand and then throwing everybody out in a fit of rage. And so I just I I had already opened the store on the sure, other side. Yeah. So I you were you were psychologically over yeah what what you're in kind of in over your head now and, yeah uh, okay yeah, yeah so so now Minglewood is this is this uh, boutique fashion store in downtown Rockford with an eclectic sort of kind of mix of cool cool products mm-hmm. so how do is that your personal is that kind of your personal expression is that who you are or are you catering to a certain crowd that's asking you for things it's 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 about 80-90% just exactly who I am. I I went into retail really having no retail experience mm-hmm. uh, or, um, you know, just, I had to learn to wear so many hats. I had no experience in really in bookkeeping or, or managing people or, or buying or even how to price things. Yeah. It's a kind of, you know, industry guarded if you ask someone, how do you, you know, if you're paying this, do you mark, what do you market? You know, Keystone is what comes up all the time, meaning if you pay $10 for it, you sell it for 20. Uh, but you know, it's not a, a but that's not true it, of it's, everything. It's not true of everything. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I mean, it's especially in the Amazon era. Right. Right. They're, they're, because now you have that to compete with, which I think is, you know, you, you moved over in 2005 the internet was not a thing. I mean, it was a thing, mm-hmm, but it wasn't right. a thing in retail. Uh, so I'm curious how you've been able to continue to thrive when all the unique stuff can be found somewhere, right? Right. That's a good question. I thought about it, you know, throughout the years. But, you know, when I started, um, really, you know, and, and as a promoter, I'm, you know, bringing a band in, I, you know, this band is playing. I would do quarter page flyers. There was really, there was no internet. It was flyers, <laughs> flyers and phone calls and yeah, posters. That was really it. So, uh, but actually taking the time to do that footwork is what connects you to your community. And that's the beginning of it. And so as the social platforms started emerging, uh, MySpace first, um, all the shows were on that, but that was really, it was good for promoting the music and the teenagers really did all that work mostly. But, um, I still approach my social media in the same manner as handing out flyers. It's really what it is. You, you know, you really got to take the time, you know, cause when I'm, when I would hand someone a flyer, I wouldn't just hand them a flyer. Yeah. I, I would say, Hey, do you like live music? Um, or, you know, you look like you would enjoy this band, you know, start a conversation first. And so I, I, I find a lot of um, positive feedback, really, and social media is the same thing. You know, I could, I could throw $100 at a Facebook ad, but without any authentic content mm-hmm. or connection to, you know, the community, then it's... So it seems to me like your promotional experience has, has been helpful for you in opening the retail business because what you're talking to me is about is promotion 
Absolutely. And that's the other thing that I think has kept me in business so long is I've real and I, I keep preaching this to some of the, the newer store store owners downtown yeah. too. Um, you know, you're not just in the business of, of buying low and selling high. We're in the entertainment business. Yeah. P- people are, you know, if they want to come and walk around downtown and go in and out of the stores, it's it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. If they happen to buy something along the way, well, then you've met your goal. Yeah. That's, I think, a really good key. So there's there are a handful of uh, vacation destinations, vacation towns, right, or mm-hmm. in any region. And I can think of a handful in this in this area particularly where people are ready to spend money because they're there to be entertained. The, the, the expense of buying a little gadget is, is my entertainment. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you're thinking about when you're, when you're looking at uh, kind of that corridor, because you're, you're talking about that corridor of mm-hmm. small shops, but, mm-hmm. which you'd want to walk from one to the next just to browse. And so, you, so do you set up your store when a person walks in? How do you set up your store? And do you keep that idea of promotion and entertainment in mind? Yeah, yeah, somewhat. I mean, this is, you know, now I, you know, I'm back downtown again and yeah. the best location I could possibly be finally after all these years and uh <laughs> it's the fifth store I've set up and so I've really um you know, I didn't just start throwing a bunch of stuff in there like I did the first one. It was yeah. really more well thought out and planned out. Do you still have stickers? Are the stickers still there? <laughs> I have a few. Okay. But um <laughs> It's only because I found a whole box full of them recently. So <laughs> nice. I thought, well, why don't I? Why don't I put some of these out? Um, I really did uh, kind of change, uh, though, to not. You know, it, it was more like College Town Head Shop when I first opened. My my friends' handmade necklaces or handmade tie dyes or posters, just kind of cheaper stuff. But you know, sure. I did want to go more into like high end. My market, my market has definitely changed to reflect myself. I, I say that Minglewood has grown up with me. It's, it, you know, my market is now women, you know, 40 to 70 who still, you know, want to be unique in, in how they dress and, and appreciate artwork and things like that. Um, I'm sorry, I got off. What no. was the question? <laughs> we, were talking, we were talking about setting your your your, your uh, shop up in with the idea of entertainment and promotion. Right. I, yeah. I am doing yeah. big parties every first Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still putting people on stage for the very first time. I like to, I like to think that you know over the years when I look back at everyone that I put on stage, there's a good um, oh, maybe 20 percent of the people that I first put on stage that went on really to become somebody wow and make their living with music you know well, that's and, cool yeah and it's really cool it's like oh i do have a good ear for what what's going to become something and um so i i've kind of you know i've gone back to it a little bit with doing these first fridays and letting letting kids i get, get you know get up i don't have a stage i just have a corner in the store mm-hmm. um but i have a small pa and um it, there's we've had some nice shows there and and i it's it's work it's extra work it there's not a lot of money in it but there's i've realized over the years the long-term um currency of goodwill Mm -hmm. that really comes back to to help you when Mm -hmm. you know and I, i think of it as i don't spend a lot of money on advertising and so if i spend two hundred dollars putting out pizzas and pop on a friday night yeah and and having a small party with 20 30 people who really have a nice time and yeah 
Absolutely. you know, it creates the word of mouth. And so, yeah, I keep doing it. Plus, plus I like music and I like a good party. So why not just party at Minglewood? So what kind of headwinds do you see or are you seeing? There's a lot of, there's a lot of retailers closing. In fact, I just saw that Family Dollar's closing 400 stores. Oh, that's uh, a shame. Kohl's is starting to, right? <laughs> Kohl's is starting to at least space to Planet Fitness. Mm. Um, to to reduce their retail footprint because the retail footprint's a bit too big mm-hmm. due to how people shop now, and also to bring in sort of lifestyle type of uh, kind of a lifestyle business, more of an entertainment business, like you're mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. What kind of headwinds are you seeing as a small business owner, and what are you doing to chart a new course for yourself, or or change your course, or or evolve, or grow up? Uh, you know, it's really, I think over the years I've learned to be, uh, y- you got to be able to, I've had to change. I've had to change locations. I moved five times. Hmm. Um, I've had to change the products. I've had to change pricing structure. Uh, but, you know, things, um, I've had to change from go, crossing over from being just like a niche market business to also allowing for some mass market because the the masses are coming down here now. Mm-hmm. You, I had just a small market when I opened and people came from all over because I was the only store like it anywhere around. Yeah, and so I I could you know move wherever I wanted and people would come to me and they still do come to me specifically because they need a dress for a wedding or they whatever they need some sage they come to me but then there is now with the with what's happened with the economic development in downtown and the influx of so many more stores you know we have, there's when i started it was just me and courtman's on maine were the only specialty shops down here and now there's i think we're up to 27 small specialty shops so um and with the big events we're having, the city market, mm-hmm. uh, stroll on state things, you know, these kind of big events are bringing the masses down, which is a different shopping animal. How so? Um, you know, a lot they a lot of them a lot of times they haven't really been in small stores. They're not used to it. They're you know, it's they're just really like wow. I've never been in a place like this. Where, so, where's, the, where's the Marvel merchandise, right? They walk in, where's the Marvel merchandise? Right. right? I mean, it's like, you know, it's... What do you it, think they're expecting that you that is so unique? And uh, if, there's, if they're looking at it, it's standing there going, oh my gosh, I've never been in a store like this. What What is so... What's the difference between their expectations and what you provide that's causing that dissonance? Well, I just don't think they're used to walking into a place that's not cookie cutter, mm. that's not that's where the owner is greeting you. Yeah. Many times they they you know, I make the joke like they'll treat me like I'm a Walmart greeter. Mm. It's just funny, you know, they'll they'll come in and that just doesn't doesn't happen all the time. Believe me, I have a lot of really great customers, but <laughs> we understand. But, but there's, yeah, there's talking about there's the anomalies. Case, the anomaly where I have to where it's caused me to realize, um, you know, so somebody will come in, they're on their cell phone. Well, it's really hard to sell something to somebody when they're on their cell phone. Sure. So I'm just kind of standing there, and it and it's just odd because it's like, it's you know you're you're kind of like in my house. It's like, you know, when mm-hmm. that personal touch of when you walk into a small place where the owner is there, yeah, you're in my house. Can I take your coat? Would you like something to drink? 
how can I help you? Yeah. You know? Oh, you're just looking? Let me show you some interesting things. So this this is so what I'm hearing now a lot of a lot of a lot of businesses strong solid retail businesses have standard operating procedures right so way back in the day i worked at uh, a big box retailer and they had this 10 seconds or 10 feet mantra right greet a person in 10 seconds or within 10 feet of you and that that was a way of disciplining uh, a younger staff who might not understand the uh, how to greet someone into your space right uh disciplining them into what it means to be greeter yeah. mm-hmm. You're you're sort of a contrast to that. You're not having a standard operating procedure. You're just saying, hey, this is my personality. This is who I am. I'm going to invite you as an extension. This place is an extension of me. And now I'm inviting you into my space by having an open sign. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I'm it's just natural to you. This standard operating procedure is just na- is your is your nature. Right. Right. And so and the whole place is decorated in my nature, too. There's mm-hmm. little odd pieces of artwork and you know, a t- 20 years collection of the, the best stuff that I wasn't willing to part with. It's all hanging around on the walls. Yeah. And, um, you know, I make the joke, everything's for sale. Because I don't have price tags on all of that stuff. But, sure. but you know, if there's no price tag on it, it's $275. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's where the negotiation starts, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> So when you're looking, so when you're looking for the the looking at other retailers and, and particularly small retailers, um, who are who are much like much like you, what kind of advice do you give them as they're starting out? Now that you're under your fifth store and you said, hey, I I did this fifth store completely different, you know, than mm-hmm. I did my first one. Plus, you know, you're you've moved from bands and promotion, you know, and throwing throwing kids out to now, hey. What, come in and let me take your coat. Can I help you? Mm-hmm. Right. How, what, what advice do you give people? Um, well, you know, some of the best advice I ever got, which it's hard to swallow because it's not very helpful in the beginning. Sure. But in retrospect, I can see that the best advice I got was just stick with it. Okay. You know, uh, when you open a store, when you're opening, if you're opening something that, that because you love it, you know, you, you could love fishing and you're going to open a, bait and tackle place or what have you but um you know i loved music and and the whole bohemian culture and yeah. um avant-garde artwork and all of that all of that so um you have to just you know stick with your authenticity and keep going and you will have problems no nobody nobody budgets for mistakes mm-hmm. and and the the, the truth is you're not an expert. <laughs> if you <laughs> right. were an expert, you probably wouldn't be starting a small boutique <laughs> in a downtown. Well, not you usually. know, recovering downtown. But um, yeah. um, there will you will make mistakes, but no one budgets for mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one time actually, when I was in this space, I got talked into buying a five thousand dollar programmable electronic sign. When, oh. they, when they first came out. It wow. was big. It was like six six feet across. It fit in the window out there. Uh, it was it was good. It was a good investment at the time. It yeah. did bring people in. But then I moved, and I had no use for... Uh, I had no place to put a, a sign that large, so it ultimately was a pretty large waste of money. <laughs> so, I, you know, you're going to make mistakes like that when you're starting out because 
you don't realize how th that I didn't buy this building. I wasn't going to be here forever, but, um, <laughs> but you just stick with it. You just keep working. Cause there's, there's times. All right. I mean, uh, my mother owned a, a stained glass store in Love's Park before she died. And that first year, uh, the city, uh, decided to redo her block on North second street. So mm. nobody could drive in front of her store for three months. And so she had a month, I think she had $400 in retail sales. Mm -hmm. Her rent was $1,200. Well, when we first moved into this yeah. building, mm -hmm. now fortunately we don't rely on any any sort of walk-in traffic at all, but they tore up the street for a month. I thought of that. I thought mm -hmm. of just bad luck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you know, if, if I'm somewhere, they're just going to redo the street. If you're right? a retail <laughs> space, it could be a real problem. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, even, even just this past February with the coldest winter oh, yeah, on record, right. uh, yeah, it was it was really bad. I I finally I've been patting myself on the back every year. You know, Christmas of course is a busy time. Sure. Uh, but every year I usually just don't save that money, even though the other best advice is you know save for the rainy day. Yep. You're gonna have downturns. Yep. You, you got to save while while it's up. Well, I finally had a good enough year that I did actually put a little bit of money away. Oh, fantastic! Of course, it's been used up now by the fact yep. that uh, I was closed for a week in February, but. Um, but at least I'm still open. Uh, we we did lose one a, a, a store in my building that she just closed. So, mm. But um, we've been pulling together again the other retailers. I have a pretty good relationship with yeah. the other boutiques. So we are pulling together again and going to market ourselves. I'll, I'll throw in on an advertising campaign, um, Shop Downtown Rockford. Um, I've done some advertising in the past. Yes, it increases business. No, not enough to pay right. for the ads. Right, positive ROI on that. So, well, just advertising in general between 2005 and 2009 has had to have changed quite a bit. There used to be just very few channels, and they were expensive. Now there's tons of channels. Some are free, some are not. And how do you decide, you know, which way to go? Mm -hmm. And digital and social media. Exactly. Yeah. So we've started the shop downtown Rockford campaign because in my mind, okay, I don't. I really don't have to specifically invite anyone to come to Minglewood. Right. If they come to shop downtown yep. Rockford, yep. they'll probably come in Minglewood. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and it's the same for all the other stores. So we're pooling our resources and and co-marketing together. Everybody's trying to create that corridor, right? Like Galena, Illinois has it they have this little wall and there's a the wall opens up and then there's these stretch of stores mm -hmm. and but it's taken you know it took galena a long time to position itself in that way and so they get people who travel in do you ever foresee the downtown rockford market getting strong enough that people are like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm you know i'm in naperville but i'm gonna drive to rockford and shop those downtown the downtown stretch yes absolutely that that is the goal that's what we're all working towards and i after working towards this now for 20 years and being really involved at many levels of policy change and and recruiting of businesses, everything. Um, now, I mean, it's getting a little closer in sight. We've got mm -hmm. the $80 million Embassy Suites Hotel. That's a linchpin in getting people to come and uh, little, you know, weekend warriors come come in, stay overnight, go to the restaurants, do some shopping, see a show at the Coronado. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really hard to do that and then, you know, and drive 
six miles out to the tollway to go stay in a, you know, in a, in a hotel out there. So, um, spring, we, we just have to hold on until April <laughs> 2020. <laughs> so the, the new magical hotel will save downtown. Uh, you know, for a while it was the train, the train, we need the train. Yeah. You know, by the time we get the train, there'll be new technology. It won't even be on wheels. It'll be some maglev thing or something. <laughs> you'll have to have a you'll have to have a helipad on your roof, right? Yes. <laughs> well, well, Karen, how do people get in contact with you or with Minglewood if they want to check out what you do? Well, I'm I'm on the web, uh, Minglewood.us. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on all those things too much. But I have Pinterest? to be because it's uh, kind of Pinterest is seventy percent women. Okay, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna go to my office and do Pinterest more. Pinterest is a good option for you, absolutely. <laughs> Twitter's thirty. Twitter's uh-huh. mostly men. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for being on What Works podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. The What Works podcast is a production of Thinker Ventures. Learn more at thinkerventures.com.